Welcome home to a life without limits, where you honor your alignment, nourish your soul, and awaken your inner goddess. Some days we fly, some, well, we've got you, sister. Abundance is your birthright. This is your remembrance. Hot Mess Goddess, juicy conversations for a luscious life. Uh, with a big smile on my face, it is such a freaking pleasure to welcome my beautiful friend, Lana Jackson. Lana and I have known each other for quite a few years now. And yeah, Lana has seen the ups and downs of my life in that time. And I'm so grateful for all of it and for our deep friendship. Even though we may not connect a lot at times, it's still always there. So I'm just so blessed to have you here, Lana. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Thank oh. you for asking me to share with you. Look, how could I not? Your official titles are astrologer and an intuitive preneur, and I have witnessed your genius in these. And so, yeah, I'd love to share more about this because we were talking actually before we pressed record as we often do. And mm. we're talking about how your story has moved away from, you know, I've always known you as being an astrologer when we first met and that was your gift, you know, and a very intuitive astrologer at that, not just the cut and dry basics of astrology. And then you moved away from that. So talk to us about what's been going on for you the last couple of years. Well, um, I have been into astrology since I was a 10-year-old little girl. It, it sparked my interest from my cousin reading my stars and me identifying with my star sign and then wanting to understand and just being totally mesmerized by the stars and energy. And uh, being a medium, uh, I was born a medium, so I always had that outside interest left of center for most people. So I then eventually, because astrology just never went away, and when I was 18 years old, I had my own chart done, and it really intrigued me to understand myself better. And so that led me on a path to actually becoming an astrologer and actually doing a course in it, because I am a perfectionist and I had to get it right. So I had to understand how it all worked. And I'm so analytical that I wanted to see how it was all made up. And so from 1997, when I became a single mum, it was like the first thing I did for me. And it's just led to me interpreting astrology charts and helping people understand themselves on that deeper level. For the last 23 years, I was on TV and radio and writing articles and all of that sort of stuff. And I got to a point where I, for want of a better description, felt like I could do something different that wasn't involving astrology. And the funniest part is it's never gone away. It's just taken a different shape. And I also got into psychic burnout from being on TV and radio and all of that sort of stuff. And as a result, decided to resign from that job. And when you're an intuitive person who is a medium and a psychic working with astrology as well, you don't get to resign, but you do get to go on a sabbatical. And so I did. And I created online programs and things like that, that really had that astrology basis, but stepped more into different realms because I actually have a teaching degree in HR manager, small business, all of that sort of stuff as well. And I felt like I was being pigeonholed as an astrologer. And so I decided to branch out from 
all of that and go into MLM and learning from that different perspective. I personally love MLM because I love the products and all of that sort of stuff. But what I found I did was allowed my identity to sit under the MLM. It was kind of like an identity escape for a bit. And in doing that, I learned a lot in terms of, you know, marketing and understanding people and working with social media and working online and having a business and what the options are and all of that sort of stuff. But that too stopped being in alignment. And what I found was the misalignment was my identity and coming back to me. And so it's kind of gone full circle. And in the last two years, I really, really worked in and embedded into understanding my ego and what my ego was actually teaching me as opposed to running from it or trying to be right to save it. And so it kind of, you know, it has come full circle now and I still work with my ego, but I really work with it now instead of allowing it to be how I learn or not learn. I'm more soul connected and then channeling the ego through my soul rather than allowing my ego to define how my soul got expressed. Yeah, because there's so much talk on ego these days, you know, whether it's yeah. a good thing, whether it's a bad thing, whether it's the enemy, whether it's your friend, like there's, yeah. there's just yeah. stuff on it everywhere. And like it is part of us for a reason. Absolutely. What I've come to understand for many years, the phrase what you resist persists was something that really sat with me, but I never truly understood what it meant for me. And what I worked out is that I was actually resisting me and yet me was still persisting. And of so, course it was. Yeah, and that's the thing. So in that resistance, I was trying to be me according to the interpretation or direction of how other people said I should be. And you kind of look at people who are heading in the direction that you want to go and you see them doing the things that you want to do. So you think, okay, well, that's what I need to do. And what I realized was that I can learn from what they are doing, but I still have to come back to me. And my ego wanted me to do what they are doing because that works. And yet my ego still wanted to be me. Yeah, I hate that. I was resisting myself completely. And I, I did a journal entry this morning. I did a cacao ceremony and really sat into what my soul wanted me to speak of. And my intention is not pure. And, and I thought, wow, this is really interesting that this is coming out this way, that my intention is not pure. And the reason that it's not pure is because it's tainted with growth and expansion. And so in my growth and expansion, I get to feel into all the, all the nitty gritty muddy crap that comes through so that I can then understand how that helps me to grow as opposed to running from it and going, no, I don't want to see the ugly side of me because if I see the ugly side of me, how can I see the beautiful side? But in seeing the ugly, I get to see what is beautiful. So it kind of works in that reverse way. And I've really had to learn quite a few lessons this year in particular. I think with everything that's going on globally, it's really brought out for me what sits right for me and what doesn't. And I felt like when we had the first wave earlier this year, that it kind of put me into a chrysalis state where I had to really look at things differently and, and look at, the you know, if the world changed permanently, and it is going to, 
but change is going to happen anyway. This is just a yeah. way of it changing. But how does what does that mean for me? And how do I get to work in that? And how do I get to do me another way according with the masses? Because we still have to work with the masses too. We're not islands. Yeah, it's such a great thing. We are all interconnected. I really appreciate the fact that you were trying to emulate everyone else because that's what we're told to do. But at the end of the day, we are also unique. So I'm really happy to see you coming back to yourself because that was the magic in the first place for me. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think having self-worth as well, and just when I thought that I had that worth, another lesson would come and I would think, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Why is this lesson happening? I thought I'd really understood that one. I thought I'd let that go. I thought that I was done with that. But what I've come to understand for me is that when lessons come back, it's not that I'm done with it. It's that it's a lifelong lesson that I need to learn on a different level from a different angle so that I can then grow from that and then move forward in another way. And trust has always been a really big thing for me to learn. Just recently, I learned a big lesson around trust. And my beautiful husband said to me, this is what you do. This is your pattern. And I thought, holy shit, it is. It is my pattern. How do I get to change this? And I think being self-reflective contributes to the self-responsibility of owning yourself and the choices you get to make in your growth. And I think most of us, including myself, have waited for permission from other people to grow. Yeah. And for me now, I don't wait for permission. I give myself permission to grow. And in that growth, looking at both sides of a story, looking at both sides of myself in the story shows me how that story contributes to the next chapter of growth. And I just feel like life really is, and you'd understand this, Sal, is life really is the book that you write in the pages of today. So much so. Yeah. So my journaling, and I've taken up journaling again, which I had, you know, you and I have had many conversations (laughs) where I've said, I can't journal. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get back to it. And I have gotten back to it, but I've gotten back to it with the assistance of Cacao. I think you introducing me to Cacao was like one of the greatest gifts you've ever given me. You know, I remember when you were talking about your Cacao journey and then, oh, Lan, you've got to try it. And me thinking, oh, yeah, whatever. And now I'm a bloody convert. And I really feel into what that plant medicine does for me and how it opens up all of my chakras and allows me to just flow. And I think having that and, you know, now I'm, I'm doing juicing, which I've never done before, but I'm juicing and I'm really turning 50 was a really big corner for me. I turned 50 in August and yeah. it was like I turned 50 and I hit a wall and I got very, very sick, very unwell. And, uh, you know, spirit do this for me when I need to stop and take notice and take a different direction. And where I was working in the last two years was very much about want and getting. And it got to a point where I wasn't in alignment anymore and I had to really stop and getting unwell and getting so sick. I really should have been in hospital, but being so determined, I wouldn't go in the hospital. (laughs) A stubborn bitch, you mean? Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) One of the other things I I love about you. To my own detriment sometimes. 
And I just was not going to go to hospital. It was that simple because I fucking hate them. So I allowed myself to stop and actually rest, which is what spirit were calling for me to do because I was on the wrong path. And I think that when we get on the wrong path, we, I guess our ego wants us to stay on that path because we want to be right on that path, even when it's wrong. And for me, I was like that. I I was like, no, this is the path I've chosen. I've done all this work. I've invested all of this money and I should be on this path because that's where I went. And it was like, well, you can change now just because you've invested all this money why does your your path get to be defined by the investment you make exactly why can't you make investments in yourself and so I've invested in a course that I'm starting tomorrow and invested in cacao and I've got a cleaner (laughs) I've finally got a cleaner nice investing in the things that I truly desire to have so that I can actually do me because it was always, oh, have I got enough money for this and can I have that? And But, you know, there's these other things I should be investing. And I think money has turned into a currency of trade for me now instead of the representation of whether I can or can't do something. Oh, that is big. Say that again, actually. That's good. Well, what I, in, in one of my journaling exercises, exercises, it came through that, you know, money was, I was always feeling like I needed permission to do things based on whether I had enough money or not. And as a result of that, I ended up with none because I was always looking at life in the value of dollars and cents. And even if I saw something worth investing in through money, I didn't actually see my worth in that investment. I didn't feel like I would honour the investment, so therefore I wouldn't make it. But now I've I've really switched that around. I've been really reading and diving into me, and I've come to understand that money is a currency of trade. And so if I see something as being worthy of investment in me, then the money just, of course, has to be there. And in the course that I've just now invested in, the money was actually there. And the interesting thing is, is the patterns that I had been conditioned to be in with my view on money and my money blueprint, you know, I actually had the money there to pay for this course and yet only paid half. And afterwards thought, what am I doing? I've got the money there. What is it that makes me feel like I have to do it this way? Yeah. And so I actually rang the lady up the next day and said, I've got the rest and just paid it because I thought, what am I holding back on? And what I realized that I was holding back on was the way I had viewed money in the past was, oh no, keep that other half because you might be able to make it another way and you could use that other half for something else instead of seeing it as, well, money comes to me freely. Money comes to me every week. I also realized that growing up, my father's business, you know, took a turn for the worst and money became about survival. Money became about, you know, we could only have treats when dad finished a job. And I grew up to learn you had to work really hard for money and you had to be fucking exhausted to receive it. And I think in this recent bout of my health and me being basically sat on my ass by spirit, I realized that 
money doesn't have to, work doesn't have to be hard and I don't have to be exhausted to attract it. And so I stopped going to bed at 1, 2 a.m. in the morning and getting up again at 6 a.m. in the morning. And I started going to bed at 9 o'clock, which my husband thought, what the hell? And getting up at a normal time and getting a full night's sleep and turning off my computer when my kids got home from school, not justifying why I had to stay on it. And sitting down and watching TV with my family instead of, no, I've got to finish this next assignment. I feel like I've really come full circle on what it means to have balance in my life. And I used to really look for the 50-50 and then I justified it by 70-30 and then 30-70. And now it's come back to, no, it is what it is when it feels right for me to do it. Oh, so perfect. Because there'll be phases of where you're working more and where you're working less and it's not always the same. Yeah. And that's part of being an intuitive printer is knowing when to switch on and when to switch off. And for me, I ended up with adrenal fatigue and, and really bad adrenal fatigue and my body just shut down. And it got to a point where I had I couldn't work with spirit. And every time I tried to connect with them, they were like, no, you're not well enough. Get well. You know, so it was, and I felt like my left arm was cut off because oh, I've nice. always had spirit there working with me. And they still were, but I needed to work with them, not them work with me. Yeah, I can understand fully your resistance to hospitals because I know a lot of friends that work with spirit, actually one's a nurse, so she doesn't avoid the hospital like the plague, but most of yeah. them do because, oh my gosh, it's rough there. They seem to be oh, places yeah. that really attract some negative energy as well as positive. Well, I mean, if you think about a hospital, it's, it's a place of healing, but by the same token, a lot of people have to go through pain to heal and also people die there. And they don't always move on. So for me, going to a hospital, especially when I'm unwell, leaves me very open because my vibration is quite low when I'm unwell and it leaves me open. And so when I'm working with spirit, I'm actually lifting my vibration up to work with them. So when I'm at a hospital, I actually feel energetically vulnerable. Mm. which is why I hate going there. And I heal better in my own space anyway. I'm a typical Leo. I've got to go in the den to heal. <laughs> yes. and, and so even with my near-death experience back in 2004, I fought with them and fought with them and fought with them to go home. And I was in hospital for three weeks. And the more I fought, the longer I had to stay. So I had to learn how to surrender to myself so that I could go home. And in this latest bout of my health, I again had to surrender to me. And yeah. I think that when you understand how to surrender to yourself, true healing can take place. It does. And so many people I know have been affected by that this year. Adrenal fatigue has been huge, even though we're all meant to be slowing down. It's actually yeah. hit and quite a few of us, someone told me a good friend earlier this year that I had adrenal fatigue and I'm going, what? Oh God, is that why I'm getting all the headaches and feel like shit? Because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't stopping, but yeah, I wasn't feeling good either. Well, that's the thing, I, you know, like you're not in alignment. You, you just, you're in your head. Yeah. Because your head says, I've got to keep going. I've got to keep doing. I've got to keep being. I'm on this path and I need to stay on this path. And if I don't stay on this path, I'm going to lose what I've been investing myself in. And you 
ego gets so caught up in it. And I think that's why we go into adrenal fatigue is because we're actually fighting against ourselves. Yeah. And I had to surrender the fight with myself. It's big, isn't it? And I love that, you know, I'm having a chat with an astrologist because being a Gemini, I am always in my freaking head, even though I don't think I am. There's always that constant chatter, which I thought everyone had to the extent that I have it. And apparently that's not quite the case. No, like for you, Sal, being a Gemini, Gemini is ruled by the planet Mercury. Virgo is also ruled by the planet of Mercury. So this, this time of Virgo, you would be in your head but I feel that, and I could be wrong in saying this. No, I'm, I feel like I'm right in saying this. You're looking at how you can put those ideas into action, into form, give them some structure, give them some flow. When we move into the time of Libra, that's actually a really complementary energy for you yeah. because it's air energy. And Gemini is the sign of communication, thoughts and ideas, but it's communication on all levels and the versatility and the adaptability and the flexibility to be able to deliver a message that can work on many different levels. And so in even just doing these podcasts is so perfect for you because you're delivering messages with other people that works into the purpose of what you're here to do, and that's communicate and give other people a voice as much as you have your own. Moving into the time of Libra, Libra is about relationships and interpersonal connections and, you know, really feeling into love and peace and harmony and fairness and justice and balance and all of that sort of stuff. And so for you, working with that astrological energy, this is working into a beautiful energy for you to bring in balance for you and your message and how working with people like myself and and all of the other beautiful women that you've worked with for these podcasts and how you get to share that message in balance with them too and how that message in many ways is representing you. Yeah, so much so. Yeah, total sense. Yeah. And so when we go into the Aries full moon, we'll help you to see how that works for you. We'll help all of us because Aries is about the self and Libra is about relationships. And so the Aries full moon gets us to really look at what is in it for me because we're taught not to ask that. And yet it's our nature to want to know what is in it for me and how am I working with these people? How are they complimenting me because we don't in society we're not taught to think about ourselves we're not taught to be selfish we're taught that that's actually a really negative thing to do yeah and what I've come to learn is narcissism is negative but being selfish is actually not it's coming back to base and filling your cup exactly the whole thing about heal yourself first to heal the world and you know it all starts within we can't pour from an empty cup exactly yeah certainly this self-discovery self-healing because for me it's not so much about self-discovery because i already know who i am we're born knowing who we are for me it's all about healing all of the patterns all of the programs all of the crap you know because we were we came into this world at a time where authority, you know, we're still pretty big, sit down, yep. shut up, be told what to think, yep. be told what to say. And yeah. it's a matter of unlearning all of that for me. 
I have always seen myself as a pattern breaker and a catalyst. I learned from my parents, but I also know where they learned from too. And understanding that inherent blueprint that isn't actually in alignment with who I am and what I stand for. And so I've really kind of made it a bit of an egotistical mission to break some of those patterns of my parents and what they taught me, not because they were wrong, because they only taught me what they knew, uh, but because it didn't work for me and the future I wanted for my children. And, you know, the the generation that we were brought up in, Sal, was very much about conforming, you know, grow up. And that's what I've learned too, is in the last year or two, that it's not about right and wrong. It's not about making anybody wrong or making anybody right. It just is. Yes. And it takes away that judgment. Like when there's right and wrong, there's judgment of others and judgment of self and just takes away all of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I When we talk about judgment, I actually didn't think I was a judgmental person until I actually got confronted with it and then sat back and went, fuck, I actually am. Where is all of that coming from and why am I doing that? And I think what it was coming from is one, what I've been taught to believe, but also what I wanted to be as well and wanting to be that. And when I look at judgment, I used to look at it as such a negative thing. And and therefore I wasn't judgmental because I'm a really nice person. Yeah. (laughs) But what I came to realize is no, I, I have been, I have been extremely fucking judgmental over time, but looking at what was the basis of that judgment and what it actually came down to was self-worth not valuing myself and so therefore judging judging others so I could yeah so I could value myself and it was like what the hell is that that is some kind of fucking awful and you know most of the people that I had been judgmental of didn't even know but I did I knew and I think when you're going to be honest with yourself you have to be honest with the whole lot not just what looks good it's really diving in and going yeah I have been judgmental and I actually don't like that about myself yeah. What is it that makes me judge? It's not even accepting those parts of yourself is what I'm learning. Absolutely. Because I sat there and justified my judgment. Well, I'm not yes, a fucking so did pedoph- I. You know, I'm not a fucking pedophile. So how could I possibly think that there's parts mm-hmm. of that within myself and you know, all of these things. Yeah. And I'm still trying to fathom most of that. Like I've got yeah. it sort of in my head, but I, I can't even begin to explain it. But there's yeah. less and less judgment of everybody now. Yeah. I still think the whole pedophile thing I can't get past it just because I I have such a a thing about kids being our way forward and our future and their innocence and all of that so I can't get past that one and maybe that's something for me to work on but I you know to tell you the truth I don't want to (laughs) I still don't think it's right don't get me wrong but it's um it's again looking at like judging them isn't helping yes that's um, exactly right. Yeah. You know, you it's can't not. fix a problem, a global mm. problem at that. Yeah. Child slavery yes. by judging it and just sitting back on your high horse going, well, fuck that. That's not me. They're all yep. just, they're all fucked up. And yep. just leaving it at that, it has to mm. come from going, okay, well, where is that coming from in them? That's coming from them possibly having pretty fucked up ideas 
given to them at some yes. stage or yes. their little boy or little girl at a certain age being in trauma or not being recognized yes. or whatever it might be. Yeah. Just I even heard the other day the way that we're not, you know, we might have one lesson at school on sex education and that's it. And the rest is from porn sites and from whatever else. And yeah, it's very distorted. And then there's an addiction to porn. Like I, you know, and I was addicted to drugs so I can understand addiction and yeah. there's, same. You know, when yeah. you really start to break it down, they need healing of themselves and yeah. they, not, they might not all be willing to go into that, but it breaks yeah. down just sitting on your high freaking horse and judging. There's way more to it than that. Yeah. I Look, I having had a previous drug addiction myself and um, I, I'm a smoker, so I'm addicted. I'm an addict. You know, it's as simple as that. We can sugarcoat it any way we like, but the bottom line is I'm an addict to a legal substance and it doesn't mean I'm not an addict. I still am. I remember a lady who uh, I did an NLP course with saying to me that smoking is connected to a deep-seated fear. And I still haven't worked out what that deep-seated fear is in me, but when she said it, it really aligned. And so when you look at addiction, you know, there's so many ways to look at that. And I know from my own addiction to drugs, it was literally me escaping. And so I still haven't got my head around other forms of addiction that people have, but I know from experiencing my own addiction and still being an addict is what am I escaping? What is it about it that gives me that inner balance? so to speak. Yeah, because it's serving a purpose for you, just yeah. like all these other things are for that person. Totally. And it makes you wonder, you know, like I look at other forms of addictions and I think, well, you know, that's a really good addiction to be addicted to going to the gym. Cacao. But then you watch people. <laughs> yeah, cacao. <laughs> a new addiction. It is fucking amazing though. I do love it. But yeah, even if we do look at the addiction of cacao, it's what it serves in the state. And I'm really working in state now, working in the now. My motto uh, for my business is live in the now. And I thought, am I actually living in the now? It sounds good. It feels good. But am I actually doing it? And I think with this bout of illness, yeah, I am now. You had no choice. Living in the now. Yeah. Because I, I hate that saying, fake it till you make it. But in my career, I've seen how I've done that. I've seen how I've, you know, faked it to make it. And then I think, well, did I fake it or did I just put it out there while I was learning it? Oh, yeah. See, there's a big difference in that great yeah, there is, nerves yeah. too. Because the, there's some marketing tactics that are just, uh, they really get to me. And that's one of them. There's a big yeah. difference in faking it till you make it, which think about the energy that that comes from mm, yeah as opposed to the energy of do you know what that scares the shit out of me i don't feel like i'm there yet but i'm going to take that step and give it a go anyway totally different energy yeah totally and i think prior to my illness i actually had a full-blown meltdown got into the fetal position the whole thing and thought why am i here again because I've had this happen to me a few times th throughout my life when I've been at critical learning points. And I'd gone into this fetal position, cried my eyes out, and in the past would have resisted that and gone, get the fuck up and get on with it. You know, you can't stay here. But with this one, I actually thought, no, you need to release. You need to release everything. And I 
needed to fall so I could value getting back up again. And in the past, I've fallen and seen myself as, well, I've hit rock bottom, the only way is up. And I've always had that saying. This time it was, no, you needed to fall so you could value getting back up because getting back up for the sake of it doesn't work either. Oh, yeah. Getting back up because it's what you're meant to do and getting back up because you value what you have to share when you do is a very different form of empowerment. It is because one of them is just stuffing it all back in going, right, I might be down, but I don't want to feel this. I don't want to explore it. I'm just going to put it down and, you know, toughen up and get the fuck back up. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that's how it was for me in the past. And, you know, I've had two, I've experienced two nervous breakdowns. One was when my son was, you know, recovered from his cancer and I could release. And I really do now look back on that and identify that as post-traumatic stress. Dealing with that situation was just a mind blower. And I can talk about it now as part of my story because I have healed from that. That was the identity crisis of, oh my God, life didn't turn out how I was taught that it should. And I failed and hang on a minute, have I failed? Or, you know, that whole identity crisis of I'm not what I'm meant to be, but I'm totally me and I like it. Should I like it? Do you know what I mean? That whole being a single mom and going to uni and doing all of the things that, you know, I was a big, tell me I can't do it and I'll do it just because you said I couldn't. Now I don't give a fuck what other people think on whether I can or I can't. I decide if I can or I can't. And if I can't, then I don't do it. Yeah. Not because of other people seeing me as failing, but because it's just not in alignment and I don't want to do it. And it's taken us a while to learn that one, hasn't it? Just to really go within and figure out what's for us and what's not and which way we're going to go. And it's still hard for me to not worry about what anyone else thinks, but that's, again, part of my journey of withholding my expression for so long when it's Mm. my natural thing that I'm meant to be doing. And yeah. so I will have lessons come up with when I do share that expression, like with these podcasts, like with poetry, yeah. with all the things, there's going to be judgment there. And that's for me to work through. Yeah. And and you know what? I think admitting to myself that I was judgmental has allowed me to release giving a fuck if other people judge me. Because since 2011, I have been in the public eye, being on TV, being on radio, writing for magazines, constantly doing live feeds, constantly being on Zoom calls, being in, you know, the women's empowerment group that we were in, constantly being on a screen of some sort. So it went from a TV screen to radio waves to being on a computer screen to always being on a screen. And for the last four months, I haven't been on a screen. I completely withdrew and I couldn't understand why. I'd be sitting there going, oh, but hang on, you've got this business to run and people aren't going to know what you do if you don't get out there and promote it and all of that sort of stuff. And inside I was going, fuck that. I don't care what people want from me anymore. I've given so much over the years. And I was really in that rebellion of it's time for people to give back to me. And then I got stopped in my tracks by my ego going, but why haven't you given to you? Yes. How can other people give to you when you won't give to you? And if you're giving, are you giving through condition or because you want to give people value? Yeah. And what I realized in that whole money is the currency of trade, what I was actually doing was doing 
everything for the sake of giving to receive rather than giving because I wanted to. Yeah. And so when I finally did go live and got back on the horse and I could feel my heart speaking in that life rather than what I was having to say. Yes, such a difference. Absolutely. It felt so much more in alignment because I was speaking from my heart. In the past, I would have been, how many views did that get? How many likes did that get? Did it lead to business for me? And this time it was like, I don't give a fuck how many views I got. I don't care because I did it from my heart. I wanted to share my knowledge and wisdom because I wanted it to add value to someone's life, regardless of what was received. And I really understand now about the karmic lessons that we learn too, because even though I know from working with spirit that it's about what we learn and what we give back, I've been conditioned to think about what goes around comes around. And that's the commercial view of karma. I have a Buddhist monk who was one of my spirit guides. And, you know, for years he's been trying to teach me this. And consciously I understood it, but subconsciously was programmed differently. In this latest surrender to myself, I now understand that the good karma or the good lessons that I get to learn don't actually come from the people I deliver my karma to. Yes, so much so. And from a marketing perspective too, I have known people that have a million followers, but when they release a course, you know, there's crickets. And I have known people that maybe have 5,000 followers and they release something and they're sold out. So followers, likes, it makes, it really makes no difference at all. No, it doesn't because it's about the intention and that realisation that my intentions aren't pure, (laughs) right? Because you know the saying of your intentions should be pure. Bullshit. Well, I was on a call about that this morning. I were actually saying that our intentions pretty much are always pure. It's just, yeah, there's a gap, a gap of realisation, a gap of the understanding, a gap of the conditioning. Yeah, I even question what's pure anymore. You know, like what is pure? Like we're led to believe what pure is. But I've also come to understand that whole, you know, that feeling of perfection like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I'm now putting purity in there too. It's like what is pure for me and what is pure for you can be two very different things, you know. Totally. Something out there, you know, with with a pure intention of helping somebody and someone will still fucking find something wrong with it. Of course, because there's a gap in the way they receive it because we've got a million and one filters and experiences and programs that we're receiving that in. And that's what I was meaning like on the call this morning with the intention, I might actually say something to someone and there's no ill intention. It all comes from a pretty good place, yet it's received so differently. Yes. And it's because we are never going to see things the same. So most of us don't go around. This is what I meant by pure intention. I don't mean pristine, crystal clear, like without fault. I just mean most of us don't go around intentionally trying to hurt people or piss people off or, you know, when we put something out, yes, we might want, obviously if we put out a program, we want people to buy it. But that's not necessarily a bad thing either because we know that we've poured our heart and soul into these things. So the intention to help them in that sense is pure as well. So that, you know, most of us don't generally aren't evil people. 
No, but you know what I find really interesting too, Sal, is when you're in business and and you're working online and you're sharing what you do and how you do it and all of that sort of stuff. I was recently on a a five-day challenge and someone in the challenge said, oh, but you've now just got me here to sell to me. And my immediate thought was, well, what did you expect? Because in reality, we're all wanting to sell something, even if it's an opinion. Yeah, We're all just wanting to sell something and we all have to live. And so when people sell to me, I'm not offended. Quite the opposite. I'm like, well, what do you got? Do you know what I mean? Like, tell me about it. But I find that there's this whole don't sell to me. Yeah. And do you know what? There's a choice too, to go and mm. enjoy every second of that challenge. And if yeah. the course doesn't align for you at the end of it, that's perfectly okay. Absolutely. No, but if you're in there because you want to do the challenge, do the challenge with your full heart and full intention and then make up your mind at the end of it if you want what's on offer and if you don't that's perfectly fine because you're not going to align with everyone that's right but uh, you know like I really felt for this woman because she was you know she'd given a, a heap of value in what she had delivered and for someone to at the end say oh so you just want to sell to me I just kind of thought wow whereas for me I was like right yeah great that was great what have you got Because I think that an open mind welcomes opportunity, not shuts it off. Like in saying that, it sounds quite judgmental on the person who said, oh, you just want to sell to me. But I think that the times are changing where that is becoming the new way of selling is to say, okay, well, let me give you a sample of what I can do do with you. And here's what it's going to cost if you want to do more. Yeah. And I've also been on a challenge same type of thing, an online challenge where there was no, nothing for sale at the end of it. It was purely a gift and they provided thousands of dollars worth of value in that, I must say. Yeah. But at the end of it, I was wanting something and it wasn't even available and I'm going, oh, oh my gosh. But I now follow them and I now will take up whatever comes afterwards. So Yeah. It's interesting you say that because before I stopped doing all my live feeds and everything back in, um, I think it was April, I ran a five-day mastermind where I offered nothing at the end too, deliberately. I just wanted to do this, this mastermind just to see if I could do it. And if I could help people along the way, because it was something I hadn't done before and I had no offer at the end and everyone was coming back at me going, but what have you got? Because I'm a big believer that people will work with me because they're meant to, not because I've convinced them they need to. Yeah. I don't know if that's right or wrong. That's how I work with my readings as well. It's like people have a reading with me as and when they're meant to. So therefore I allow and trust. People say to me, but hang on a minute, how is that doing sales and marketing for your business? And I actually sit there and go, well, it's not actually. It's that whole, yeah, but I I get what you're saying, Sal, because people did come back to me at the end of that and say, well, what are you selling? And yet it was my worth going, no, I don't want to sell anything. Yeah. It's a bit of a catch 22, but at the same time, doesn't it feel so freeing? Like for this podcast, I have no intention and I'm never going to say never, but I think I am. I have no intention ever of having ads in the middle of these conversations because that does not align for me. If there's some other way of sponsoring, I'd be open, but I won't. This space for me is quite sacred and it's also a gift. And why would I interrupt something that's profound with an ad Mm. 
in the middle of it, even if it is yeah. aligned or even at the start or even at the end, it feels like a, I'm selling myself. Maybe that's where I need to do the work. But for me, this podcast yeah. is or the intention has always been one so I could actually get over my fear of self-expression. So there was yeah. something in it for me in that sense. Two, to share the magic of so many women yeah. that others could really benefit from. And three, to be a gift, just a service. So then it comes back to what I was saying before. It's that whole different definition of the good karma, allowing the karma and trusting that the karma will come another way. That, you know, you you doing this, yeah, is absolutely, it's an expression for you. It's an expression for the woman that you're working with at the time. It's a, it's a learning opportunity for people. It's a value opportunity because they get to see a different perspective. Now, I always say I can't, I can't control how people perceive what I say, which comes back to the whole intention thing. But I think that, um, you know, when you talk about monetizing stuff, perhaps this is just leading to something else that you can monetize through your expression as yeah, well. Maybe. And I look at it another way too, because I'm in a lot of podcasting groups and there's women constantly, they may have just started their podcast going, right, it's costing me a fortune to host it, to edit it, to whatever, and to produce this yeah. thing in my time, in money and in yeah. all these things. How do I make money from it? And I'm watching just going, wow, like I have spent so much money on personal development Yes, that anything I spend to bring this podcast out is just more of my personal development. And I love it. Like I don't see yeah. it as a bad thing necessarily. I don't see it as me wasting money on something that's not returning because it returns every conversation I have is a gift. Absolutely. I look at the difference between investment and spending and it really has landed now on what that means. You know, at first the concept was like, oh, yeah, fuck, I need to pay attention to that. What am I investing in? What am I spending on? And all of that sort of stuff. And I originally looked at investment and spending in terms of money and how do you invest and spend money. But now I look at it across the board, time, energy, intellect, wisdom, where am I making an investment for my growth? And if it's not an investment in my growth, then why am I spending time on that shit? Yeah. And then again, it's all part of our learning as well. Like what you were talking totally. about before, when you went on a different path for a couple of years and it was like the mm. wrong path, was it though? Yeah. Because what did no, you learn from that? Totally. Absolutely agree. It wasn't the wrong path at all. It was the right path to show me that I needed to be aligned differently elsewhere or come back to base part of your journey to realize to come back to within because that's where where all the gold is is within yeah totally it was the an investment in feeling uncomfortable to find comfort within yeah what a perfect message yeah and at the time going through it it didn't feel like I was spending anything although I was yeah if that makes sense because you know sitting here with with you for me is an investment in one having a great conversation that we haven't had for ages it's been a while yeah i know but also the investment of sharing my journey with the intention that it might spark something for somebody else to go yeah fuck is that me or yeah i understand that or no that doesn't align with me why doesn't it 
yeah rather than me being right or wrong and I find myself a lot in conversations when someone says to me oh yeah you're right my immediate response is it's not about me being right it's about your awareness of what lands for you that helps you to see your next part of your journey ah beautiful yeah it's not about me being right and that's an ego thing that I really have let go of is that it's not about me being right. It's about me being heard in my opinion or my, you know, what is landing in for me and me sharing because we all get into uncomfortable positions. And when people say sorry to me because, you know, I've pointed something out that's made me uncomfortable and they say, oh, well, I'm sorry, but that's how I feel. And I said, please don't apologize for how you feel. That's how you feel. Why should you be sorry about that? Yeah. If you feel that way and it makes you sad because sorry is a derivative of the word sorrow so if it makes you sad to feel that way then why are you putting it on me yeah feel into why you're sorry you're saying it to me then and quite Mm. often what I see is when I upset people or I piss them off kind of acted as a mirror for them and when they've upset me or pissed me off they've been a mirror for me they're showing me what I need to see in myself when I'm pissed off with somebody nine times out of ten what I'm pissed off at in them is what is actually inside me. I love that you say it's nine times out of 10 because I went through a phase of going, fuck everything I'm seeing is a mirror and taking it all in. And sometimes not everything is a mirror. Sometimes people are in their own fucking shit because they're wounded and hurt people hurt people and it has nothing to do with me. So I have learned to actually have my boundaries on that one as well. But also before I do check in, is there anything in there for me first? before I Absolutely. go not that's yours. Yeah, I've recently had an experience with a work colleague just a couple of weeks ago where the conversation was a total offload onto me and all of the things that I was doing and all of that. And I, at first, went, my ego was like, wow, oh, my God, I can't believe that you are thinking this way about me and thought, hang on. And as you said, so, you know, checking in, hang on, is this something that I have done? Is this something that I have projected? And I really sat into it because I'm so self-reflective, sometimes too much. You know, how many times have you said to me, stop fucking overanalyzing it and just let it be what it is. So I did go into that reflection and analysis and it didn't feel right that it was mine. And so I sat back and went, no, hang on a minute. This is actually about you. And it doesn't even have to be a conversation. It can be if you choose it to be. And yeah. it doesn't have to be either, you know, because sometimes talking to a brick wall is pointless. Well, that's exactly right. People are only aware when they want to be. People will only grow when they want to. People will only move to the next level when they're ready. And, and because of all their ready, perspectives, that is their truth. Yeah. You know, and this is your truth and those truths don't match and there's probably not much point talking about it anymore. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing is in the past, I would have pursued that situation and gone, no, hang on a minute, you need to hear me. What you said was blah, blah, blah. And I would have. (laughs) I've seen you like that. It's like, I'm banging my staff into the ground here. Yes, absolutely. And in this situation, it was like, you know what? No, this isn't about me. So no, I'll let that person come back to me when they're ready, if they do. 
Yeah. And if they don't, then I'm going to love and respect them for speaking their truth to me anyway. Exactly. There's so many ways to look at things. And if you always try and come from that heart-centered place, which isn't always easy, and you know what, we're human, it's no. not always going to be the case. But if we always try to. Yeah, I just noticed the shift in me, though. In the past, my ego would have wanted to go, no, you've judged me wrongly, and oh, that wasn't what I wanted. And I was assertive in the conversation, but I allowed them to have their opinion without it being mine. Which is massive growth for you because I have even heard Huge. you say, I am going to fucking pummel them with my wisdom yep. and my authority and my whatever yep. it was at the time. Yep. You know, there was a lot of that. Yeah. Whereas I actually, I did have to process it internally because my ego was fucking hurt and bruised. Yeah. But I realized that it was actually what I was processing wasn't about them either. Exactly, right? That was the breakthrough as well. Like sometimes you've got to break down to break through. And that situation led for me to have a breakdown in that situation, for me to have a breakthrough in knowing that, you know, what they had said hit nerves. Is that me? Is that how I'm coming across? Is that what I was doing? Is And it made me really question myself. But the beautiful thing is, it didn't make me question my worth for once. Oh, powerful. See, that's yeah. where true power lies, not in proving totally. other people to be wrong or right. Or... And I, yeah, and I think because it didn't make me question my worth is why I didn't pursue it because I didn't need that person's validation of what I'm worth. Mm, boom. Yeah. And, you know, I've spoken with this person since and just been totally me. Yeah. Not like it hasn't happened, but I've understood their boundary too. Yes. That's where real growth comes. Yeah. Of going, well, they've perceived me to cross a boundary, not my intention to do that. Thought it was okay and safe to do it. Now I'm being told, no, it wasn't okay or safe. I'm going to honor that because you can't ask someone to speak their truth and then crucify them for doing it. Yeah. Oh, and like, unless it's abusive, because there is a fine line yeah. here. Like we That's have listeners true. that are in yeah. many, many situations. Yeah. So just to have that clarification in there when it's, yeah. when it is abusive and just, you know, you, oh, you don't need to absolutely. have that conversation. You no. can just have your boundaries there. Yeah. Well, in this particular situation that I'm referring to, there was no abuse. It was a conversation. Yeah. But yes, absolutely. When it comes to ab abuse, my response uh, when people are abusing me is to say I have too much self-respect than to cop this from you. This is no longer happening. You know, I go into self-respect when someone is abusing me. In this particular situation that I'm referring to, there was no abuse. It was more yeah. just, you know, a conversation of, well, I'm feeling like you're crossing boundaries here without going into the detail of it. it but when it's abuse, and I have been in abusive situations, my 26-year-old son and I recently had a bout. Yeah. <laughs> and as you do with your adult children, and, um, and I, you know, I just simply said to him, son, I have too much self-respect than to accept this from you. Yeah. If this is how you feel our relationship should go, then I'm afraid you're going to have that relationship with yourself because I'm not tolerating you treating me that way. Yeah. So when it comes to abuse, I have to say that I'm, I'm grateful I haven't been in extreme 
abuse situations and I can only imagine what that would be like because I don't have that experience and so I can't have that level of empathy but I can have the level of compassion to you know really want to be there and support somebody in that situation but would I have all the right answers I have to say I I don't think I would unless spirit was giving it to me and spirit's never wrong but for me personally no I can't say that I would be the expert in that. There are people out there who are brilliant at dealing with that form of trauma. And there's still opportunities to go within, even if you are in that situation. Totally. But it doesn't mean, yeah, it's a whole different podcast on that. But I just wanted to bring that clarity in just for the listeners. Totally. But on that note, we had better wind it up, but we haven't (laughs) even talked about your astrology (laughs) genius which is what I I thought we were going to talk about initially but hey it never looks how I think it might so which is what I love about these conversations so I would love to have you back on to just focus on astrology at some stage if you would be open to that absolutely yeah because astrology has been the spine of 99 percent of my growth yeah it's funny to say it like that but we haven't even talked about it (laughs) i know right but it has been the spine of it all so yeah it would be an honor to come back and discuss astrology because i do have a very different view to most astrologers you do you're not the cut and paste astrology and so i would love to share that yeah i'd love to come back and share how i work with it that would be amazing thank you Thank you so much, Lana, for your time today. Thank you for having me. It's been an honour. It's been fun. We so appreciate you listening in and growing alongside us. We'd love it if you could rate, review and share with friends.